I think that Beyond Damascus works for us because it's not a summation of Damascus theology, right? Or even, mm-hmm. or even our theology. It's, it's a thought that I have today that if I, if I speak something out of line, I'm happy to apologize tomorrow. Episode of Beyond Damascus. I am your host this time. <laughs> oh, Gabriel wow. Gessler, not Dan or Aaron or Brad. I'm actually the director of the Beyond Damascus podcast, and we are wrapping up a season. That's so sad, guys. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. But we're going to be reflecting on just this week's season. So I'm joined by my co-hosts this time. Brad Huron. Yes, what's up? And Dan Debate. Oh, he knows and Aaron Richards. He knows the high five. He's he's learning. <laughs> How many episodes have we done? We've done close to 75 episodes of Beyond Damascus. Wow. This season. It, which that's is a long crazy. season. That is a so, long season. That's a long <laughs> well, season. It, it was so only a couple time, weeks ago we decided the season would new, It's time for a new thing. You know? So, <laughs> so uh, today we're just going to be talking just a little bit about just like your guys' own like personal journey like with Beyond Damascus, like how much you guys have loved myself and Jack working alongside yeah, you. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, David used to work for us. Rest in peace, David. Uh, uh, he's but, still alive. He's still alive. For he is alive. It's just <laughs> his, <laughs> he's, he's no longer he, affiliated with He the just show. doesn't work on the show. He is still alive. Uh, he has a baby otherwise, so pray for him. Uh, yeah. Look up his registry online and send him some fun stuff. Amen. He's also still so, with Damascus. He's also still with Damascus. <laughs> also still with he does work for us. We haven't fired him. He's uh, dead. He's, he's, he's dead to us. On this show. Have you ever seen that little book with a dinosaur? It's called All My Friends Are Dead. And you just like go through it. It's not it a great book. It's anyway, so it's, depressing. It's, just, it's so depressing. Dave's alive but... with Damascus and we're on the show. Good. Amen. Okay. <laughs> so, gentlemen, so really quick, you know, uh, Dan, you've been doing radio for a long time, but this, like this time, we really shifted things and, and we really we went for that podcast model. How has the podcast model of Beyond Damascus really enabled you to just terrorize Aaron mm-hmm. and Brad? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's actually <laughs> funny. When you were prepping the question, I was like, oh, this is fun. I just want to talk about how it's fun to pick on Brad. And, uh, <laughs> no, I think the, it was, I mean, I did radio with uh, EWTN radio for uh, a number of years with one person prior to doing Beyond Damascus. I just think the three people is a better conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mm-hmm. just a a lot of fun to be able to react and be playful and joyful. Uh, I think it's really even more important that the church is filled with joy so that as we share the truth of the church uh, and as we <laughs> wrestle with really hard questions, we also don't take ourselves too seriously and just have fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. So as the subjects of that fun, do you, do you agree with with what he's saying or, or what are your personal thoughts? Aaron? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, there's something different between writing and speaking because in speaking, you get to engage with an audience. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that difference is what I've seen happen here. Um, I, I loved our time of radio as well. I thought it was great. And oftentimes I think I would find myself in recording a show for radio, like with my eyes closed, like thinking through an outline as I describe it and mm-hmm. forcing ourselves into a context that's more conversational 
has has brought me a lot of life. Yeah, same here. I actually I love the back and Wait, forth. Freeze. Gabe is leading the show, not you, Brad. Did 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 you ask Brad a question? <laughs> yeah, actually, Dan. What are your thoughts on Brad? Just did yeah, interrupting just, me. It's Wait, amazing. Amazing. the subjects. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's he's, he's just in. He used the plural. He used the plural. Brad thinks he always has something to say. Gabe asked Aaron a question. I'm that, just wondering why. Subjects. <laughs> he said subjects. Go back and listen. Anyone on radio, rewind it if you can do that. And let me know what you think. Um, I don't even remember what the question was. Uh, basically, the, the question was, is what, what has it been like being the subject of Dan's terrible in the past year? Uh, I think it's quite the honor, I think, is probably how I'd say it. No, I, uh, yeah, what I, what I was saying before, um, the, uh, the start of my, like, radio time was actually in sports talk. And a lot of the sports talk radio that you'll hear, um, they're trying to get points across for sure, but they're, they're filling it in with personality. Um, I think what's cool about the show, um, as it, as it like stands right now with beyond Damascus is that it's not just personalities, like the conversations that we're having before we start recording are the conversations we have during it, even with the banter mm-hmm, in the back and mm-hmm. forth. So I think, um, it just feels natural. So I think I love, uh, Maybe not always being the subject of Dan's ridicule, but I do love that uh, that we have fun on the air. Am I, am I a mean person? No. I think, honestly, Dan, I think you're usually the subject of the ridicule. Usually you open the door and then we come back at you. Yeah, we this, just have to flip the script a little bit. Especially time, with you being yeah. gone the last few weeks. we've. Uh, oh, I believe that. But, so, but don't get me wrong. If you're listening and you want to empathize with me and stay on my team, I'd, so, I'd, gl- so, I'd gladly so take it. So really quick. So, d- so between the three of you, you know, within the first couple of years of Damascus, about how many people outside of Beyond Damascus, how many people do you guys think that you've been able to reach and impact mm-hmm. through, through your ministry at Damascus? Like your first like wow. one to two years. That's a good question. First one to uh, repeat the question. So please. your first one to two years when you were, when you started Damascus, which started in 2015, mm-hmm. about how many people were you guys able to reach and impact? Well, probably three, uh, probably three to 5,000. We were serving yes. three to 5,000. With within the context, yeah, within sorry, the context of Damascus, within the context of Damascus, about yeah. how many people do you think that you reached your first one to two years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably that's probably fair. So I think what what's really cool is, is that you know, and and this is just like the Lord's you know like favor and providence is that you know over the course of the first like one to two years, you know, really we we hit the two year mark, uh, or actually no, we hit the one year mark last September when we really uh, decided to to really relaunch this podcast and really. Mm-hmm just focus in and, and really just take a, a deeper dive into, into media. And what's really cool is, is that I was looking at our statistics and, you know, within the first one to two years of our podcast existence, we've reached close to 300,000 people, 250,000 people. And so I think it's just like really cool because, you know, and, and you guys have shared, you know, lots of stories over the course on air, you know, just about the different, you know, types of, you know, ministry that you guys did and, and the, <laughs> the endless hours of work that you guys put in your first, you know, one to two years. And I think it's so cool because now in your time of media, you know, you've reached, you know, multiples more of people, you know, just through your faithfulness. And I, I think that that is really, you know, God just, just pouring out his, his faithfulness and really just, I just want to take this time, you know, just to honor you guys on air, because I mean, you know, I get to work with these guys a lot and, you know, and, and I like to pick on them as well, but you know, I mean like these, like you guys are just men of, you know, incredible virtue and incredible character and, um, you know, just the countless hours that you guys have put in. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you. And, you know, I get to talk to, with a lot of people and, um, you know, just a lot of people, you know, they'll say, Oh, like I listened to beyond Damascus or, you know, or, you know, like I love this episode. And, you know, so many, so many times, like the, the response is just so overwhelmingly positive and, 
And so I really just like want to honor you guys in that. And so like, like what has your guys' experience been? Like how has Beyond Damascus, like this podcast, because this is a unique facet of the Damascus ministry. I mean, as people know, you know, we run Catholic youth summer camp, you know, we run retreat ministry, but you know, this is a podcast. Yeah. So how has this like impacted your guys' own like ministerial walk? So, you know, Dan, what are, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? <laughs> you know, uh, when I started radio, um, I was doing a show called Encounter Radio with our friend Patrick. And uh, I asked Patrick one time, like, hey, how long are we going to do this for after a couple of years? And he's like, when it stops being fun, we're going to stop doing it. <laughs> and uh, which was, yeah, it, it just is, it's this, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. and the conversations are great. They're a blessing that they allow us to wrestle most of the time. Um, Brad and I are wrestling about the, uh, I, something that was said on the show for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes after the show as well. That'll be good paid going, content yeah. in the future. <laughs> there are, there are arbiter. Yeah. <laughs> or, or most of the, it was actually funny right before this show, like Brad and I will get in these conversations where we're back and forth arguing before the show and like in, in beautiful debate and Aaron's like, okay, 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 save, save it for, it for the, the show. show. <laughs> right? And that's, that's become this like a weekly content. thing. Yeah, save it for the show. And then we never actually get into those, like the same kind show. of banter on the show. We've we gotta, just need a show that is so it's great. It, it, I think it gives us time just as brothers to be brothers. Yeah. Impact's funny too, because I think, um, it, you don't see it as, um, until you state it, like you just did, Gabe, you don't see it in the same light. And, yeah. uh, there's only been a couple instances where I've kind of seen firsthand the impact that the podcast and the um, radio show has been able to have. It was actually at Seek this past year at the Seek mm-hmm, conference, the mm-hmm. Focus runs. Um, Aaron and I were <clears throat> around the booth, and multiple people would come up and share that Beyond Damascus has become like a regular part of their personal prayer. That they'll actually listen to a portion of it and allow that to like guide like a reflection with the Lord, or if they if they need a place to start after reading through a scripture and they're not really sure where they want to go in prayer, <clears throat> they'll fill it in with some of the content and. When you hear things like that, it's um, it's humbling, and it also puts into perspective that what we're doing um, through Beyond Damascus and podcasts like it is really important for the church. Mm-hmm. It's really important for the church because um, people are going to be using media, and if people are going to be using media, they might as well be using media that's wrestling with truths of the faith. Well, it's I mean, we've had missionaries from South America or like a missionary from Iraq, uh, well, a missionary to mm-hmm. Iraq, like be in relationship with us and say, Mm -hmm. your podcast is what's helping to sustain me in Mm -hmm. my ministry and my mission work. And you like, I think sometimes we can take it for granted how, like how blessed we are to be in a missionary community and and a big missionary community at that. Uh, There's a lot of people who are answering the missional call to go to the nations and they're really living, um, sometimes in great solitude. And so the, the encouragement and the fellowship and then not, I mean, yeah. a missionary in Iraq, of course, it, it is a radical call, <clears throat> but even just the, you know, the everyday Catholic missionaries who are working in the secular workforce here in America, that's a lonely call sometimes too, without yeah. fellowship and to, to, to have that shot in the arm to say like, oh man, I can, I can keep going. I can keep sharing yeah. the faith. I can keep uh, being a witness. Even outside of the context of, of just friendship, uh, which I think is, is a good mm-hmm. end in itself. Um, being being charged with the opportunity to engage in meaningful conversation around these topics at a, on a regular cadence has really been meaningful mm. to me. I, I, I have a tendency personally to get wrapped up in kind of the whirlwind of putting out fires here and there and and 
building documents and strategy and structure for our organization and, and, and knowing that I've got time on my schedule every week to come in here and engage in meaningful dialogue about, about sweet, current faith content mm-hmm. is really a building for me. And I think I would extend that to our, to our audience as well, that, that in the midst of, of the routine of, of getting work done and trying to maintain a good life of, uh, of, Christian leadership in the world, right? Of of taking time on a weekly basis to actually engage in these types of conversations. Yeah. yeah. Keeps you sharp and and it's meaningful. Yeah. I, what I love about you guys is that you guys are all like very uh, I think that each one of you in your own right has a disagreeable personality. And so it's cool <laughs> even too to see like your guys' like disagreements sometimes on air. Um, but also too, it's kind of cool to, you know, to see it before the show. So like what like what advice or like recommendation would you guys give to people you know to to really like step into having like these like mm. deeper conversations about faith um but are just kind of afraid to because they feel like if they disagree with someone else that they might be perceived as like mean or judgmental or you know different things like that because i mean like this is like the most important i mean i feel like we're talking about the most important things and people just don't have that outlet so like mm. like what would you guys you know say to people that that crave that type of conversation so mm-hmm. if, if you go back to, I think maybe it was our very first uh, episode of Beyond Damascus or our second or third, mm-hmm. we talked about our missionary mindset and uh, how the missionary mindset is what drives us to mission. And at Damascus, uh, our mission mindset is that we are a people who are Jesus-centered, mission-focused, joy-filled, obedient toilet plungers. <laughs> and that last one, toilet plungers, really is a spirituality that we take on. It's uh, this idea that we're going to do the hard thing even when you don't want to do it. And it, it applies to when we're running middle school camps and the, the toilet is clogged and you have to unclog it. That sucks, right? <laughs> and that's kind of why we, we picked the name. Um, but the way I use it most often is in these difficult conversations. It's not that I, I engage in a lot of hard conversations and I say a lot of hard things, um, not because I want to be a jerk or because I enjoy watching difficult things happen, um, but because... I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit when he calls me to do something I don't want to do. And you you look at the lives of the prophets like Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they, they did things they didn't want to do. And they said things they didn't want to say. Jonah, who like, like was scared to death to do this, to say what God was asking him to say. And yet Mm -hmm. out of obedience went for it. And Mm -hmm. I think really that call to prophetic ministry uh, is to put yourself out there and to do the hard work, be a toilet mm-hmm. plunger. Yeah, I, I go back to kind of what Aaron was saying when it comes to just enjoying the conversations we get to have at this table because it it allows me to wrestle out some of the really difficult truths of the faith with people that I trust and who trust me. And whenever you have that context, it prepares you for when you need to do it with someone who doesn't necessarily trust you, right? So like, it's actually at this table that at times, and if you go back and listen to the whatever, 75 um, episodes of this season, there's so many times where even on air, we'll be kind of walking around trying to clarify with one another. And what that allows me to do is then walk away and recognize that if someone in the world brings up that context to me, Hmm. I already have my (laughs) thoughts better ironed out than I would have if I didn't have these guys. And I think that you can also do that with podcasts. So there's like, there's a number of podcasts I listen to. And if you're listening today, I'd encourage this to maybe be one of those for you where you can listen and have a dialogue with what they're saying. So even pause it and be like, do I agree with that? 
why do I, why don't I? Because it's actually a place where you can begin honing those um, words so that when you share them in the world, they are true, mm. but they're, but they're um, contained in love. Sure. That's good. Uh, Monica and I went out to dinner with a couple of friends the other day. And uh, I, I think that oftentimes I will, she's, she's just so good at conversation about life. Mm-hmm. And um, inevitably, you know, when, when, when she leads a conversation, it'll, it'll be great and beautiful and life-giving and it's about family and, and what's going on and what are your priorities. And uh, on this particular uh, date night, um, one, of the, one of the other couple just threw out like a concept. He's like, Hey, what do you think about this thing? And it was a launch point for like just sweet conversation that mm-hmm. was off the wall. And I felt so engaged and energized. And I think that, uh, yeah, if, if we can learn anything from like being a part of this community and, and seeing how conversation happens here mm-hmm. on the show, like know that that type of conversation is worthwhile yeah. And, yeah. and fun. I mean, our last show we just did was Hey, what are the, what are the biggest misconceptions about the, about Catholicism? Like, gosh, next time you're hanging out with some buddies around a bonfire and, you know, throwing back some brats and beers, mm-hmm. ask a question like that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. what do you, what do you, what do you guys think of the biggest mis- misconceptions yeah. about Catholicism? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be a Catholic group to no. do that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> yeah. So, okay. So one of, one of the things that was really just like coming to my mind is, so these things are kind of hard to talk about. And, um, you know, I, I think too, you know, one of the biggest things that a lot of people are really afraid of today for good reason is getting canceled. And, um, so, you know, how would you encourage, you know, people to talk about these hard things, you know, despite having this fear of like getting canceled, because I mean, even we're talking about, you know, you know, difficult things when we're talking about LGBT stuff, you know, we're talking mm-hmm. about the traditional versus the charismatic, you know, we're talking about a lot of, you know, at sometimes very, you know, charged conversation. So I feel like some people are like, I don't even want to touch this with a 10 foot pole, Mm -hmm. but how do you encourage and in your guys' own personal walk with beyond Damascus? Cause I mean, like, you know, like I said, you know, we, we've had times, you know, I've talked about, you know, very politically and, you know, just very charged things right now in the culture. Mm -hmm. How do we talk about that without being, you know, more incendiary, but without compromising truth? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, light, light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Right. So the, the reality is truth always prevails. And there's, there's this reality in the world today where I do think that we carry this, this fear of um, potentially being ostracized or canceled or something like that. I think the way that, that we do away with that fear is by being more confident in God than fearful of man. Okay. So like the reality is if, if the Lord is prompting you to say something, the ramifications of that thing, he'll have a solution for but that's really hard, especially when you have a family that you're providing for or, um, or someone that's depending on you. But when we live life with the Lord, we can be sure that anytime he calls us to something, he'll be able to get us through whatever ramifications come. And so I think that um, that's where I've found solace because even some of the topics, if I'm being really honest, when we've been wrestling with a, a topic for a show and we'll say something that I don't have my thoughts fully ironed out for. And I'm, I'm apprehensive to say them because once you say them, your ignorances are out there, you know, you're on the internet. Uh, no, forever. you are, you are. And, uh, but, but what I've constantly kind of come back to is that if the Lord desires this for the show, even if my ignorances are out there, he'll, he'll lead me back to his truth and he'll provide for me on the other side. And so I would say that, um, see it more of, of, um, 
more of an adventure than, um, than anything that in the case that something would happen, like go to the worst possible scenario, right? Like the job that I've had for 20 years, I'm asked to leave because I stood up for this thing. Well, what will the next 20 years be? Like, that's so exciting. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I'm not saying like go out and purposely do that, but again, having confidence in God more than fear in man, I think has been something I've tried to live by and I'd encourage others to do the same. Yeah. You guys being as like business owners has, has Damascus ever like faced like any backlash for like, you know, anything that we've said or stood for, um, Mm -hmm. or different things like that. You know, uh, (laughs) when you asked the question, I thought to myself, um, we need to learn how as a, as a, person to turn the comments off on our life, right? Like if, if you live your life for what people say, whether it's the comments or the approval of others at the workplace, you're going to live as a slave. (laughs) And, um, the only comments that matter are the ones that are coming from the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And the, that if your prayer life is in order and you're attentive to God, um, and of course the comments of, of Christian community and fellowship, but the, to, um, that, I mean, we haven't gotten a bunch of, uh, it's not all likes and shares, you know, there's plenty Mm -hmm. of, uh, brutal comments that have, uh, of people who disagree. And it's like, those aren't the things that shape me and they they aren't the one, the things that shape my mentality. It's also funny because if, if we're going to get canceled, it's not going to be from the world. It's it's probably going to be from the church. Right. Mm -hmm. And which is so sad that the, um, that the narrative which we are striving to share within the context of the church, um, that so often people in the church herself don't want to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to have hard conversations about the charisms of the Holy Spirit and about um, the work of mission and just it, it, try, it, trying to get the word, like, these topics out there so Mm -hmm. that they're discussed more. And I think sometimes because they are hard topics, the people don't want to talk about them. And so they're more likely to say, no, 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 that's wrong. And, um, I also think just the, the fact that these, the, we're not trying to answer every, every conversation to its fullest in 50 minutes. Right. Like, and so that we're throwing, we're throwing ideas out there and, (laughs) You know, I've written a few books and the, my first book, I think I was like 23 when I wrote it and I'm 38 now. I mean, I, I, I'm not super proud of every word in that book, right? Because Mm -hmm. I, as a human being have evolved in the last 15 years. And so Mm -hmm. it's not that I, I, I think it just, so if you judge me only by what 23 year old Dan wrote versus Mm -hmm. the, the last, the development of me, who I am as a person over time. It's just, it's just short-sightedness, you yeah. know? And, and I think that's every show is, is a conversation with some thought, not all thought. And every mm-hmm. conversation is where we are today mm-hmm. and our understanding today. And chances are we'll have greater thought in the next 20 years. Well, even because, hopefully so, even hopefully yeah, so, right? Because sure. we're wrestling through these questions. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. That's really good. Aaron, what are your thoughts? I was going to say the same thing, yeah. honestly, that, that, uh, I, I think that, Beyond Damascus works for us because it's not a summation of Damascus theology, right? Or even, mm-hmm. or even our theology. It's, it's a thought that I have today that if I, if I speak something out of line, I'm happy to apologize tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's really good. How has, like, how has, you know, so, so taking all this, um, you know, I kind of just want to backtrack a, a, a couple of points and kind of just shift gears here. You know, like one of the things that you guys, you know, said is, is that, 
you know, you guys have like met like different missionaries that, that beyond masses has become a little bit of an anchor point for their own personal life and their own prayer life. How has, you know, prepping for the show, but also, you know, just like now having a little bit more weight as being seen as a teacher in these areas, um, how has that like impacted your prayer life and how has that impacted your prep or, you know, like different things like that? Like, like how have you guys, you know, how effectively, how has Beyond Damascus helped form your prayer life more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I was, um, I was actually reflecting this morning on how many things come into the show that are from my prayer life with the Lord. And like, it really doesn't matter what topic we're talking about, what God's speaking to me in that time can usually be translated into that episode. And so I, I would, I would say it in almost the, uh, the reverse that it's actually been in my development of my relationship with the Lord that I feel like this show has become more natural for me. And in seeing that I then like almost have an added incentive and maybe a grace to go back and to continue to just seek the Lord because he gives me these things that I get excited about. Yeah. And then I'm excited to teach those, of course, because they're teaching me things, right? When I sit with the Lord and, and I read a verse I've read, you know, a hundred times before, and he reveals something new and connects it to a different one, I get super excited about that because that's an adventure I get to explore with him. And then this has become an outlet for that exploration. So what I would say is that actually in, in teaching things on here and seeing that the way that I'm communing with the Lord outside of the show relates to it. It's, it's only convicted me more that relationship with the Lord is lived in all places, whether on the microphone, off the microphone with others by myself. I'd extend that same thing, Brad, to, uh, some of the, you know, the teaching that we get to engage in on stage, sure. uh, that a lot of times, um, and the three of us get to come to the show with uh, a revelation that, that God's spoken in prayer that we've delivered in the form of some content or teaching. Mm -hmm. And then this gives us an opportunity really to continue to unpack that. And, uh, that's, that's a really beautiful, um, experience that, that if I were just a public speaker, Mm -hmm. I don't think that would necessarily have the opportunity to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you, how do you guys balance that? You know, because obviously, you know, like there's like a lot of, you know, prep that goes into public speaking, but then, you know, kind of, I mean, a lot of then what you guys are sharing is, is that a lot of this, you know, comes from your actual, you know, like, like prayer life. So how do you guys find that balance between, you know, like sharing like what you received in prayer, but also, I mean, like that's, I mean, the Lord calls it, you know, mm-hmm. the secret place, you know? So like, how do you guys, you know, not share too much of your own, you know, personal revelation as Good well? Question. I ran into a beautiful reflection the other day that, that as as Catholics, we're not called to be canals, but called to be reservoirs. And um, I forget, I think this may St. St. Bernard, but uh, the idea is a canal is always, it pours everything out and it's always left empty. And a reservoir pours everything out, but it's always left full. Basically that, that uh, we're, we're called to be in a place where I go to the chapel, I, I go to my, my time of personal prayer, I go to the sacraments in a way that fills me understanding that when I'm filled, then I'll overflow. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to, you know, and I, I fell into this trap for years, like, okay, I've got a big talk coming up. It's time to go, kind of time to go pray hard and like ask, <laughs> ask God to give me, give me direction for this thing. And when mm. my ministry, whether it's on the show or whether it's on the stage needs to be an overflow of the intimacy that's happening in the context of prayer without pulling from that, sustaining intimacy. 
Mm. So uh, if, if you feel like you're constantly emptied, like, um, I don't know, that, that's, that's a shift in perspective that's really blessed me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. You guys have any thoughts? I, I think all of our prayer is tainted by our own personality, <laughs> uh, which isn't a bad thing, but it is a real thing. And so, I mean, my my prayer is going to lend itself towards a direction that Aaron's prayer is going to lend himself towards a different direction. And, and mm-hmm. I love a show like this because it, it um, <laughs> when I'm on a stage presenting as an individual preacher or teacher to an audience, they're only getting me. <laughs> and that, that, that works really well for some people because uh, they, they respond to the way I preach. Uh, uh, but there's something neat about this because mm-hmm. uh, there's a diversity of thoughts, a diversity of uh, inspirations, if you will, that are being brought to the table. And I know I know that when I'm presenting, I'm I'm a better presenter because if I have Aaron and Brad next to me, because they're going to bring things I'm not bringing, <clears throat> and they're going to show the heart of God and witness to the heart of God in a way that I I'm not, and mm-hmm. and so it's exciting because I'm like there's almost a dependency of I know I can go in this lane on this show because I know Aaron's going to follow it up with this mm-hmm. and. Um, or I know I can throw out a question and Brad and I can banter back and forth and get the audience a little confused and, and, and really go to the margins <laughs> but then, but then and Aaron's going to bring clarity, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's, <laughs> it's, it's, That's real. it's more of the church as opposed to, um, just me being me. Yeah. 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 I want to speak to the question you had about the, the secret place thing, because I think, um, I, how do you not over personalize it? I, I want to say that I, I tend in my personality to have a proclivity to overshare as opposed to undershare. Um, that being said, it's been interesting for me to, to talk to the Lord about my prayer life. And as someone who is constantly teaching and preaching and writing and like all the things that all of us do, it's something that I've brought up to the Lord before. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, what, what, what that you're sharing to me is mine versus ours versus like, I, I like have just wrestled with that. It's funny because I feel like the Lord has just constantly brought me back to the, even when I explain the things that I'm receiving as revelation in my prayer to the people in my life, I cannot for a second share everything that prayer time involved, even if I wanted to, because the secret place for me is more than words and revelation. It's a relationship that I'm not, I'm not able to impart that relationship, even if I can impart the wisdom that came from it. And I think we see that in like marital relationship. We see that in a lot of places, right? Like we can explain words, wisdom, functionings, things like that, mm-hmm. but it's actually the lived experience there that makes it secret mm-hmm. in, in a sense, <clears throat> at least, at least that's been something I've been kind of coming to more and more. And it helps me not feel like I have to quell my personality. I do want to develop more discipline, but it's, it's allowed me some freedom of not feeling like I'm walking on eggshells all the time to be like, even if I sat down with Dan and Aaron right now and said everything I talked to the Lord about this morning, it still wouldn't be the prayer time. Yeah. It, it like it just it couldn't be because because of the the presence that God had for me at that time in that place. But that if anyone is listening and wrestles with that, I think it's at least a starting point. Yeah, yeah. How has um how has your guys uh, like actually I'm going to pivot a little bit. So you guys all, you know, being, you know, teachers and, you know, kind of the fathers of, of Damascus in this, you know, you know, one of the things that you guys get to do is you guys get to 
build up and, and upbuild, you know, the, the future generation of, of Damascus and the future generation of the teachers and the preachers and different things like that. Uh, but for those that aren't affiliated with Damascus and for those, you know, that might, you know, feel more inclined to get involved, you know, like in preaching or in teaching, like within their own parish communities, because we don't, you know, the whole point of beyond, of beyond Damascus is to go forth and, <laughs> yeah. and to go out. And so actually it's very unhelpful for them to come to us all the time and for, <laughs> for us to be like the end all be all. But like, what, what would you say to the people that are like, okay, I really want to, to preach more. I really want to teach more, you know, or maybe even I want to start my own podcast. You know, what, like what core principles would you want to pass off to them? Um, yeah. What core principles would you want to pass off to them that, that you guys have learned in your time, you know, not only preaching and teaching, but also with your time here in beyond Damascus. I think one of the, the things that's been, just with the last few questions that's been on my mind too, is just <laughs> the church doesn't need more content, <laughs> right? We got, <laughs> we have a lot of really, really good content. Uh, all the, all the lives of the saints, the writings of the saints, the encyclicals, and uh, we've got the so holy scriptures and church teaching. And, and so we've got plenty of content and sometimes uh, you know, and I've even said this in, in planning meetings before is like, I don't want to just like produce content for content's mm -hmm. sake. Like, uh, it, God save us from that. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you just want to be the one who's creating the content so that you're the one that's creating the content, um, just check yourself mm -hmm. on that. And I think that's been something I've had to check myself in over the years of like, um, is this something that God is asking me to do? Um, uh, as an off, like as a part of my prophetic ministry, is this, is this something he's calling me into versus is just something I want to do so I can build a platform. Sure. And, and I think the, the prayer that I've got grown in most during the, the, the last few years of the podcast as, as Damascus grows and as our social media presence, if you will, grows, um, it's almost like I, 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 I'm almost like, man, I, I want to make sure I remain hidden as well. Like, I don't want... You don't want to be a Catholic influencer? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to influence influencers. That is part of the call that God's placed on my heart. And I want I want to, uh, to be a voice that um, shifts the, the, <laughs> the national church and, and the global church if, if the Lord desires it. Like, I want, to, I, want to, I want to speak words that move, that make movement. And... Uh, but I don't want to just get big to be big. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, yeah, there's, there's just, there's just big stuff out there. <laughs> and I wonder, is it always necessary? Is it good? And, um, I don't want to, I don't want Damascus or beyond Damascus to, to merely be a marketing ploy. Um, but to actually mm -hmm. be a movement of the Holy spirit. And I think those are, those are hard things when you're, when you're looking at preaching, mm -hmm. teaching, podcasting, how do you, how do you remain hidden in him? when you're in public mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of hard conversations with our, our missionaries and that's one of the, the joys of and directing the program. And in one of the conversations I uh, repeatedly have is with our missionaries that come in super zealous and know that God has something big for them. And all of that is really good. And in Damascus, I think we do a good job of blessing that and like, yeah, like the Lord does have something really big for you. Let's go get it. And then they'll, they'll go up and they'll give their first middle school talk, you know, and they'll speak in front of 30 middle schoolers and they'll preach it like they were in front of 20,000 college students. And I'll have to sit down with them and ask how they thought it went. And they'll, they'll usually tell me that they could have been cleaner here and here. And this transition wasn't how they thought and things like that. And then I'll take them out of the content for a second and I'll say, 
how did, how did you feel in presenting it? And they'll be like, I don't know. I, I felt a little off with it. And then I, I, I consistently, and if you're going to come be a missionary at Damascus, we might have this conversation eventually, but I, I constantly go to that scripture and it's because the Lord did something in my heart with this scripture, which I'll share in a second. But, um, he who is faithful in small things will be granted larger things. Mm. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all <clears> these things will be granted unto. I, th- I think that we sometimes in the name of what we desire, lose the opportunity in the moment. And like those, those 20, 50 middle schoolers need a message for them. And as your heart begins to understand that and present a message to them, they need if, and when the Lord calls you to 20,000 college students, your heart will be ready for that too. And it, it was, it was probably my second or third year at Damascus. I was, um, what, four or five years into kind of what I consider my conversion where the Lord was really captivating my heart. And early in my conversion, I was, I was like going after the Lord in personal prayer and seeking words for my life and stuff like that. Cause I wanted to organize my life differently. And he would just constantly be speaking that my voice was going to be used and all these things. And so it was a couple of years into Damascus where I had had a conversation with Aaron and Dan, where we had had some tension. Cause I was kind of bucking a little bit. Like I want to do my own thing. Like there's just some some friction, which was great. And I'm, I'm glad to share because it was in my own pride. And I went to prayer and I was like, Lord, you told me we were going to do all these things. And, and one of the things is like, like, I'm going to be a, like, a, like, and, and they're, they're all so um, young that it's almost embarrassing to share them as they were written. But like one was like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be a, a, a voice to the nation, you know? And I looked back at it and the Lord's like, where are the missionaries coming from this coming year? I was like, well, we actually have three countries in this amount of states. And he's like, are you going to speak to them? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll speak to them uh, at training. Frequently. And, and he goes, <laughs> and, and, and after that, <laughs> yeah, right, you're right. And uh, it was just a really awesome moment where the father was so good to me. And he's like, well, there's a voice to not only the nation, but nations. Wow. And is that enough for you? Yeah. You know, like, and, but God, and, I wanted to be on CNN. But see, but what that started, to, <laughs> but, yeah, right. but what it started to do is Gessler's greatest away. dream. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> on CNN. CNN. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think I stretched that long enough. It's just that the, the Lord was chiseling things in me that I now see him calling me to things. I never yep. even thought at that time were going to be possible. Sure. And now they're more than possible, but I'm less, yeah. captivated by them than I would have been at that time because I just want to live relationship with Jesus publicly. That's what I want to do. I want to have a relationship with Jesus that like a reservoir overflows and spills onto everything I'm involved with. And that's interesting because it's actually in mm. that that usually the other things come. So I don't know if that blesses anyone listening. No, yeah. That's my answer. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, quick, quick and easy reflection on this. I, I think that... Um, one of the things that's most critical in launching a career of speaking or teaching is doing it in the context of community. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I've, I've seen and walked with and worked with many individuals who've tried to do it on their own and it's always a recipe for disaster. Mm. And what, what's, what's very challenging is that oftentimes um, we believe and hope that that community can be found in a context of a parish and more often than not, a parish officer, a parish staff isn't really built in such a way to foster community. I hope, I hope they can be, and I hope they do. Yeah. Uh, but that can't just be, that can't just be the default that, okay, I, I exist in a parish and I'm going to find my community on Sundays. But if you're actively involved in ministry, like you need to, you need to seek people out who can pray with you, who can sharpen you, 
and who uh, you can be accountable to. Yeah. Why do you think that's true? Do you think it's like the refining process? Like the reality that when I'm up there presenting, you guys know enough about me to ask if something feels off or to challenge or press in. Like what, what, why is it? I, I don't disagree yeah. at all. I actually completely agree. I don't, I don't know my reasons why I agree. Uh, I think there's just an, there's an ever present temptation to try to create my own narrative in a way that's self-serving. I think that's probably what it boils down to. Yeah, uh, it's easy to not do the hard work when nobody's watching, mm-hmm. and and praise yeah. the Lord. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. there's countless stories of individuals, you know, around this table and away and beyond, sure. who <clears throat> who have taken up that charge yeah. and who have made the virtuous choice when nobody's looking. Sure, but more often than not, like I I, I just, something I need it. someone to be there to be yeah. present just for the sake of accountability. Yeah, yeah. there's a dependency principle. Yeah. Like any time that I'm operating independent, there there's always a uh, kind of an echo chamber because yeah. I'm I'm conversing with myself. Well, when and, I'm dependent, and, and furthermore, then the the natural evolution of that is not only do I need to be investing in peers, but I need to be investing in the next generation. Yeah, like uh, a, a ministry that that starts and ends with me is by definition a failure. Yeah, yep. So gives my life's but a breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, s- s- like spiritually and ministerially and missionally. Uh, I'm called to the, to express the same type of fatherhood that I that I am in a family. So, yeah, yeah uh, if if and that's the real danger I think mm-hmm. about about a personality focused ministry or personality dominated ministry. That if I have you know AaronRichardsMinistries.com, mm-hmm. uh, it's very difficult for me to transition that mm-hmm. to a spiritual son or a daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus had. Disciples, and uh, I, I was asking someone one time, "How do you, how do you make sure you, you uh, are growing your ministry and allowing people to understand more about your ministry without just you know, building a platform?" And he said, um, "You know, I always thought uh, a good father didn't just conceive a bunch of children, but raised sons and daughters." And there's, there's a lot. I mean, if I'm preaching and teaching or podcasting, I'm just throwing out all the seed, but I'm not raising anyone, there's, there's a potential problem in that. And so I think every, everyone who's uh, doing stage ministry at some point needs to ask, who are, who are my 12? Or, you know, like, who are the ones that God has called me to raise mm-hmm. up and, and to mm-hmm. replicate me or to replicate the ministry of Jesus? And uh, so that's not just all public ministry, but there's something about the, the I am walking with and pouring into individuals mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Has there been a, just kind of shifting gears again a little bit, um, has there been a particular time hosting the show where you guys really just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit and you're like, wow, like this is, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, there was a, Oh man, Gabe, you'd remember. I was interviewing those those guys from. Uh, oh yeah, Kailash and uh, oh from Fidei. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go uh, check out that episode. It's a Fidei email. But, yeah, yeah, no. But we were just having a conversation about countercultural Christianity, and uh, Kailash was sharing his testimony. Who like he encountered the the he was listening. He it was basically President Trump brought him into Catholicism. Yeah, right? it was like, insane. He was in uh, uh Agn- he was he wasn't Catholic. He's agnostic he, he, Hindu. Yeah. He's an agnostic Whoa. Hindu. Thanks, you have a good memory. This yeah, is so, so I remember. So <laughs> so basically, Kailash was uh, he he helped found this software company, and then um, 
he then co-founded another email company. It's called Fidei.email, I think. And basically it was insane. He, so he was an agnostic Hindu, just lived a total hedonistic lifestyle in San Francisco, you know, it was just running, just doing tons of drugs, tons of, you know, everything. And then it was actually, you know, the election of, of Donald Trump that brought him into, into Catholicism. And he just started doing all these like surveys of all these like Christians. And they're like, why, like, why did you vote for Trump? And basically it all came back to, to Jesus. And eventually then he just started going down this whole rabbit hole of, <laughs> um, you know, well, you know, you know, Jesus does this and this and this. And then eventually he went into RCA and now he's Catholic. And it's kind of funny. One of the guys that, that works with us, Chuck, he ended up filming his wedding. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just felt the presence of God on that conversation. It, it was very, very thick uh, the whole time. And mm-hmm. you're just like, wow, the, the Holy Spirit's resting uh, in this place. Yeah. Mine was on um, one of the episodes that we did on how to reach Gen Z. Mm. And we were, we were just, um, I don't even remember the context, which is probably better because I think it was just that it was an, uh, it was a conversation that I knew was, um, primarily in our hearts. And, um, I don't know, there was just something about that, like sharing from a place of real questioning and pining for an answer uh, together. And I just remember at one point in the conversation, I like sat back and just like allowed the Lord to reveal in that moment the way that he saw the hearts discussing that topic. Because I've, I say this to missionaries all the time, but as, as far as I can tell, the Lord doesn't grant us authority over that, which we're frustrated with. Mm-hmm. He grants us authority over that, which our hearts break for. And that has shifted my life a lot where I, I don't just live frustrated with the people that disagree or this or mm-hmm. that, but I actually try to allow my heart to break for that, which is lacking. So anyway, long story short, I think we all had hearts that were breaking for something lacking and desired a solution. And that uh, moved me for sure. I had a similar move of the heart in one of our, one of our early shows in this season, as we were discussing the need for young adults to respond on mission. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I remember in the course of closing the show really being overcome by, um, that particular grace of a courageous and faithful uh, step of faith mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, taking a risk um, and living out that, living out that call of, of encounter and mission uh, that, that just really moved and motivated me. And it, it, it just stands at the foundation of why we do what we do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a particular episode where Dan, you were talking about um, one of the missionaries, I believe to, to Malaysia or Burma. And, uh, it was, mm-hmm. it was one of the Protestant missionaries. Oh, that and dude. Like I, it, it's, it's interesting because it's like, Adoram Jepsen. Yeah. yeah. Adoram Jepsen. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting over there and I was in tears mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't love Jesus nearly as much as that guy did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I mean, you know, I mean, to some extent, you, know, you could say, well, I've given up a lot, you know, I've had some, you know, yeah. different things like that, you know, and, you know, living my life on mission here and, but the desire to do more, but I'm like, that, I mean, and the level of suffering that he went through was just, was just extraordinary. So, um, as we begin to come to a close and as we begin to, to land the show, what, what do you like, really like, what is your prayer for the people that, that listen to beyond Damascus? What's the prayer for them? I would share a heart that Dan and I have talked about a lot, but I, I desire so, um, I, I guess I would say so deeply that 
people who are coming to podcasts are constantly sent from that podcast to do that, which they're hearing. Like I, I, I desire this podcast not to be a landing place for people to, <clears throat> I don't know, kind of like fall into um, complacency, but rather a place that sends them on mission. I really do think that's the distinguishing factor, uh, at least in our hearts of what this podcast is supposed to be. And so my desire is for those listening that this would be so convicting for them that they couldn't help but make a shift in their lives. Mm. Even, even if it's a quarter turn, as long as we're moving the needle towards knowing the Lord more and making him known more like that's, that's my desire. I, I hope that people listen to this podcast regularly. If it's beneficial for their spiritual life, I hope that those 50 minutes fuel them to go out and to live, you know, the other 23 hours of their day um, as, as radically and fully devoted as they possibly can. So my heart from the very beginning, when Aaron and Dan first kind of asked me to start stepping in and helping when it was just a two person radio show has been that, that they would, they'd be so moved Mm. to actually put it into action. And the reason I brought up Dan is just because the, the church, I think we can make consumers out of the people in the pews. And I want to make them missionaries, evangelists. Yeah. That's such an awesome line. I agree with that. The, uh, you know, what, what separates our show, we've gone back to time and time again, it's encounter and mission, it's encounter and mission. And it's really the, there's a lot of people who talk about a relationship with Jesus and, and, Mm -hmm. and it needs to be talked about, praise the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I I think one thing that we do uniquely, and it's a call that really echoes through our community is, is the mission component. And uh, yeah, I, I guess to, to echo a lot of what you said, Brad, it's, I, I, my prayer is that our show would be, would be, maybe one of the one of the motivators behind someone stepping out of a faith that's about me into a faith that's lived mm-hmm. uh the 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 biggest <clears throat> trap of of i think our our culture today is that everything ultimately at the end of the day is very self-serving mm-hmm. and uh the you know whether it's whether it's the 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 moves in technology or or mm-hmm. or social climate or social media right Ultimately, everything is really trending toward an an isolated and egotistical perspective. Mm. And you have to embrace an intentional expression of humility, which which is lived in a life poured out um, in order to to counteract that. And fundamentally, in order to understand who I'm called to be, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You know, it's probably one of the more popular quotes that we speak on the show, but um, that John Paul II famously said that man cannot come to know himself outside of a, of a complete and sincere gift of himself. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this stuff's optional. And mm-hmm. I, I think we have, unfortunately, a generation in our world and a, and a generation in the church that if that choice isn't made, simply won't understand their identity. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jesus always, regardless of your stay in life, will give you the grace to fulfill that. Yeah. yeah because he's not going to, task you to do something that's not going to give you, give you the grace to do. So the, I don't know why, but the audience that's always, always on my heart and, um, and radio and podcasting it, are the Catholics who are going to work every day. It's just, I, I want, um, people in the secular world to be charged with mission and, and to, to, to actually help empower them and equip them for mm-hmm. that activity in the secular world. I mean, I, God's design 
for the Catholic laity is the most brilliant design. It, 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 it's divine. <laughs> and I mean, that he would fill us with the Holy Spirit and he would catapult us into every sphere of influence in the world so that we would act as a leaven within to raise the world to heaven. And there's, it is, it is so like once, once the Catholic church is activated in the world, the culture will change. It, it's, we don't need, we do need, but it's not good bishops like teaching church teaching with clarity that's going to shift culture. It's not great priest teaching church teaching with joyfulness and, and, uh, and clarity that's going to shift culture. It's the lay people and it's not us missionaries, right? It's right. not those who are full time in the missional work of the church. The, the only thing that's going to shift the world and change culture is when the Catholics who are in the world and in the culture yeah. shift the world and yeah. shift the culture. Yeah. And that, that, um, man, if we could, if, if, if when that, when that dynamite goes off, everything will change. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's happening one Catholic at a time and it's, it's becoming more pre- uh, prevalent. And, but I, I just want to see, and I almost kind of, uh, it's hard because the Lord hasn't, ever called me to a secular job, but it's like, I almost want to go into that mission field to learn. <laughs> like, yeah. like I want to know what you go through. I want to hear the conversations you have so that we can teach you better to be more equipped mm-hmm. to shift the nation. Our next yeah. season is going to be undercover boss. I would have so much fun. <laughs> I, have so much fun. <laughs> I would like just see how often <laughs> I get fired. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this season of undercover boss has uh, actually not existed because the four assignments we gave Danny was fired Thursday. But no, I think um, to Dan's point there, I think if you are listening and you are a bishop or a priest or in full-time ministry as well, like the goal of our lives should be to feed, equip, and empower those who are the leaven in their workplaces. So I think Dan's exactly right that this podcast, hopefully it's serving that end. And we should always serve that end because at the end of the day, to your point, Dan, they're the ones that are in every strata. We're in a very particular um strata of empowering those people so that they can let go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Gentlemen, close of the season of Beyond Damascus. Mm-hmm. So why don't we go ahead and thank the Lord in closing prayer. So in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much for just the gift of Beyond Damascus. We just thank you for just the opportunity and the honor to get to proclaim your name, Lord, on the airwaves, on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Music. Lord Jesus, right now, we just thank you for the gift of your cross, the gift of your love. And God, we just ask for every listener who's encountered us, every person that's seen our videos on YouTube, that they might have a radical and profound transformation. Yeah, Jesus, we, uh, we, we love you. We pray that this show would always honor you. Um, our sincerest hope is that you would be loved by the words that we speak and that you would be invited into a relationship of love with those who listen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, wh- whether or not this show becomes the background of someone's day, uh, that you would always make yourself present. We, we, we charge these words again. Um, and we, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would make yourself manifest in, in the lives of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that in a particular way that 
this season would be the start of something that impacts all who desire to go into the world on mission in new ways. We pray, Lord, that you would anoint our words to be the words that are needed. And we pray that you would uh, give grace to hearts and to ears to be open to receive in new ways so that we can all step forward in, uh, in greater conviction and boldness and not be afraid to step out for your name and for the church. Mm. Jesus, I pray for season two. Uh, you have blessed this place with signs and wonders, healings and miracles. And I pray, Lord, that you would use the airwaves uh, to release heaven on people, that uh, there would be an increase, Lord, of people uh, being hit and touched by the Holy Spirit, that uh, there would be an increase of signs and wonders, of healings and miracles from people listening to this show. Anyone who's hungry right now, for God to move more boldly in your life and to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fall on them right now, that they would encounter you, they'd be filled with you, that they would um, experience your glory. And Jesus, we thank you so much for everything you've done, and we want more. Amen. Amen. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Gentlemen. Great job this season. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Beyond Damascus. Go ahead and like, comment, and subscribe. Go ahead and also follow us if you're listening to us on Spotify or on Apple Music. And a big thank you and shout out to our sponsors, St. Gabriel Radio. Uh, and if you're a sponsor and you're open to sponsoring the show, just go ahead and uh, shoot us a message. And may God bless you. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the day.